Hello and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast. Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie rules and the Mighty Bombers. From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's Let's start start the pod. pod. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Essendon People podcast, our review of the 2024 pre-season match, in the, the first pre-season match against St Kilda, match simulation, whatever you might call it. Um, Brendan, after a little bit of a break and having our own off-season, we're back. Yes, yes. Uh, had, a, had a big off-season. Can't say either of us went to uh, Arizona on a, on a trip to go run anywhere, but... Uh, Certainly, uh, certainly enjoyed uh, a few of the uh, more uh, relaxing aspects of the off season. Uh, how was your off season, Mark? You got up to a couple of big things. Yes, yeah, a couple of couple of big milestones. Uh, obviously, wedding, uh, which you were involved in as well, which was good. So that that was a good good time. And then honeymoon afterwards. And as you said, wasn't uh, wasn't altitude training in Arizona. Um, and fair to say, when I went back to work after having that time off, I. I don't think I put in a, a putrid first day. I might have been a bit slow, but I, I certainly wasn't um, 11 goals slow. So maybe we'll talk about that now. <laughs> so <laughs> last, when was it? Last Friday uh, against St Kilda at RSEA Park. Pretty good facility. I, I wasn't there personally, but like from what you can see on TV and people talking about, pretty good facility that they got set up there uh, with Danny Frawley standing centre and everything. And uh, it was looking looking pretty schmick. So that was all good. And then... Um, Fell away pretty quickly after that for Essendon supporters. So the the final score there was St Kilda 16-10, 106 to Essendon five goals ten forty. Um, so it's not uh, not pretty watching. It was a bit of a wind there, but um, fair to say we struggled even when we had the wind. So not great. No Ridley, no Wright, no Kelly, no Draper, Hobbs, Shield, Baldwin, and Caddy all didn't play. But otherwise we had a pretty strong side in. Um, is my thoughts. So. Yeah, not great. What, what were your overall thoughts? Yeah, um, match simulation, as I think you just said before we crawled, you don't, you don't <laughs> try to go out there to uh, simulate losing by 11 goals. Well, hopefully that's not what we're trying to do this year. But, um, yeah, look, it's obviously – it's good first hit out against an actual opposition opposed to just training against yourselves. So probably good marker of where we're at. Um, remember, we played the Saints at – the, their home ground last year as well and got done by a uh, reasonable margin. That was probably more of a uh, conditioned impact game there. But obviously in the game the other day, the Saints, being their home ground, did play the conditions a lot better, especially in that second quarter. They kicked with the breeze, kicked the, kicked the number of goals there. But I guess maybe there were them in front of the home fans. They probably treated it a bit more seriously than we did. Maybe, hopefully, that's an excuse we're all telling ourselves for it to, to get a bit better. But, uh, yeah, uh, we want to see a drastic improvement come this weekend, round one. Yeah, definitely. I think I said to you the other day, usually this time of year, I'm um, cautiously optimistic, and now I think I'm confidently pessimistic after that, that performance. So, yeah, let's hope we can turn it around because – to be honest, I can't really recall. I'm sure there is, but like usually in a preseason game, in a practice match, um, you might see some upset results. I think North Melbourne beat Collingwood the other day, which obviously you wouldn't expect to happen in season proper. Um, 
probably one of the best current sides against the worst and, and the result went the opposite way to what people thought. But having said that, it was like, you know, maybe a five goal thing, maybe a totally different side come out and got played after half time. So like you kind of expect those results, but kind of it's a little alarming to get flogged and to and to kind of get blown away pretty early as well. Um, so that's a concern. But anyway, let's roll through the first quarter. Uh, Gresham immediately had a bit of impact and uh, was one touch and, and clean. So of the recruits, uh, that was a good early sign. Um, on a few occasions, we did move the ball well from end to end um, with with handball and overlap. That looked like a definite kind of, uh, I guess, game plan or style that we're trying to implement. So I think we're likely to see that up and down the wings and, and kind of that overlapping handball trying to create you know, the extra player and uh, and expose teams the other way. I think we had our fair share of getting exposed as well and uh, not being, I think that was more from not being able to defend and um, that's been a recurring problem for a number of years. So, uh, which falls into the next point, we allowed them to intercept and then move the ball easily by foot from the back line uh, up to their forward line. Um, I'll hand over to you, read some, more, read some more points out from the first quarter. Yeah, so Parrish, I think, really stood out. Won a number of clearances there. He looks uh, looks a bit stronger just through the through the hips there, and he was doing a, a lot of defensive work. I know he, in previous times, been criticised about his, his tackling and his, his working both ways, but he seemed to really put an emphasis on that at the second half of last year, and he's carried that through to the the preseason here. If he um, you know, hopefully come round one, he can start, he can continue that, and also get the ball going forward there, because I know in a number of the internal practice matches he's been hitting the scoreboard which is something you know we we need from our midfielders we often talk about mark if you want to be like an a-class midfielder you should aim at a goal a game and you know we all think that darcy's got that level in him so great to see him hit the scoreboard i guess the the, the big thing i was looking forward to in watching this game is to see how the the, the back line went in the particular combination of reed and mckay Two, one is a new recruit, and one seems like a new recruit yeah, in Reed. There, um, Mackay played deeper, probably played on King, uh, the bigger body, and Reed was kind of more the centre half back, moved up the ground a little bit, uh, moves very well for a guy that's absolutely ginormous. Like you see him standing, even this to Goldstein and Reed, who are about two hundred centimetres, and he just he just towers over them. Does Zach Reed? He's a he's a big big boy. But, uh, yeah, those two look like they're going to be the two talls. And then Laverde as the third. Uh, Laverde got got up the ground. It was noticeable. We normally see him down back and he, he'll just get outside the 50 and come back. He was pushing up onto the wing and a couple of his kicks went inside 50 there. So it be interesting to see what the role is for him going forward considering he's gone from being essentially the number one to potentially – the number three, is he the seventh defender? Does he play on a flank? What what the role is for him? Uh, but again, again, kind of the turnovers on the wing and our, our back line really created repeat entries against us. So we look to get the ball out with handball. So often you see like Reed spoil or someone in our back line with spoil then would handball it out. Whereas St Kilda, they would actually intercept the ball instead of spoiling and then kick it and use their f- foot skills to move it along. And the guys like... Hill, Wangani, Malira, even uh, Henry, who's the new recruit from Fremantle, their pace and run was really evident in getting the ball inside the St Kilda 50 and trapping it in there. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, we saw new recruits, uh, well, new recruit in Dersma, Xavier Dersma, and then um, also Elijah Sardis, not obviously a new recruit, but we didn't see a lot of him last year. They both played in a wing, which was um, kind of a, a spot that everyone was keen to watch because we'd sort of heard that Durham was going to play more in the midfield. He's built up his tank, had a really big preseason, and I think they're kind of rewarding him by giving him a shot in the midfield. And we've obviously seen that um, that Martin has kind of moved to that halfback position. They're trying to, to get him to play that kind of role as well. So Durham and Martin were really standouts, I think, for us on the wing last year. And, uh, and yeah, so this year it looks like maybe we'll see Dersma and, uh, and Sardis. And they, they went okay, I, I thought, in, in those positions. So, so that was good. Sammy Wiedemann, we saw play second ruck. I think we're obviously all hoping that there's going to be a huge... Um, Huge uptick in Sam Wiedemann. I guess we'll, we'll wait for it to be play out. But the from what we saw in that practice game, it was kind of pretty consistent with what we saw last year. And maybe we've all just got to accept that that's, that's the ceiling for Sam. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Guelphy, after having a really successful couple of years up forward as a pressure forward, played down in the pocket, in the back pocket. Uh, oh, sorry, in the forward pocket there in the first quarter. So uh, good to see Guelph out there kind of doing his thing again. Yes, and you, we'll just talk about it because it's probably a point of interest there, Mark. Durham and Martin not playing on the wings. What what are your thoughts about that? Obviously, having another inside mid is good and having the idea of Martin at halfback who can run and kick, kind of play like a Dacos free-wheeling role, I, I like. But those two on the wing, like, it was a real point of difference. It was one of those ones where you could go, okay, yep, this is our wingman. Martin... If he had stayed there all year, could have been all Australian. Durham, you know, played a couple of really strong games for us there and was progressing really well. Do, are we cutting off our nose to spite our face a little bit there, you know? Robin Peter to pay Paul. We, I, I'd really like the idea of having a two solid wingmen that you can just pick every week, right? And, okay, Dersma coming in, you know, what are we going to do with Sardis? Do we, you know, potentially Nick Cox, who knows? But I really like the fact that we had two solid blokes that you could say, yep, these guys are the best 18 locks in dedicated positions on the wing. I, I agree. And I think it's something that the Essendon Football Club hasn't done well in the last 10 to 15 years is play people out of position. Like, you know, we saw Parrish playing half forward flank for probably five years longer than he should have. We saw Langford play out of position. Even as early as last year, we were trying to play Langford as a halfback. He ended up being almost an All-Australian team, you know, half forward flank. So I think we've got a history of playing people out of position and this kind of feels a little bit the same. As you said, sometimes you've got to do it and you've got to eventually move on and try new things. But I think if you've got two young players who are doing really well in that position, I think, as you said, you lock them down and you, you put them there and it doesn't mean that you, you know you can't look at other options through the year. But if it's not broke, don't fix it because there's plenty of other things that are broke that do need fixing. And I, I think that doesn't mean, you know, moving people out of other positions to, to do that. And as you said, Robin Peter to pay Paul. So long walk for a short drink of water, but I don't like it is the answer. <laughs> I would have preferred to leave uh, uh would have preferred to leave Martin and Durham on the wings where we where we know that we what we get. Maybe let's move on to the second quarter. Yep, so kicking against the win this quarter. The win actually really picked up in the second quarter and we just got smashed. The ball just lived in the Saints half I could maybe you could probably count on one hand the ball actually got past center, and then when it did, we had no forward structure. Saints had two back. It was intercepts, cut off. 
got forward. We did, like I said, struggled to move it. And when we did get it forward on those odd occasions because we didn't have the structure there, we just mucked around with it too much. There was an occasion there where, you know, we could, we could have kicked, had a shot from goal from 50 or get all, kicked it in deep. And it was like five or six unnecessary handballs. Menzi eventually just snapped it over his head. It wasn't quite directed as well as it could be. Langford touched it and went through it for a behind. It was just kind of like, is this is kind of what we need to get out of our system a little bit in terms of overusing the ball. And, okay, you say Peter Wright's not there, but, you know, Wiedem was there. Jones was there. Nick Cox played a little bit of everywhere, but he was up four during the day. Just needed a big key forward with some presence. We can't be like Langford or Bust like we were at the start of last year. You know, we kind of need to get a bit more guys where this is the guy we kick through. And it was really noticeable when you compared it down the other end when they've got big Max King, the ball was just going through him. If it wasn't going through him, it was going through memory. And then they bring to the ground. They had Cooper Sharma. They had the Anthony Camille. Like they'll just had number of guys they could kick to and then bring it to ground, let the small swarm pressure, get repeat entries, and they eventually kick the goal from just the pressure that it caused. And we had absolutely none of that. I think you touched on it there as well. We had at times Cox, Wiedemann and Jones up there and they lacked presence. And it's not – I think I mentioned to you during the game, I think I texted you and said it's not – really a formidable forward line that you're looking at. It's not It's not a threatening-looking forward line. And that's – I say that without trying to cause disrespect for, to those players, but the reality is, to be blunt, that they they lack physical presence. They, they're not known, you know, for, for hard, hard ball gets and physical contact and crashing packs and things like that. And that's probably okay. You can probably get away with, you know, one of those players um, – you know, Fritch at Melbourne, he's not known for that, but he makes it work because he's the only one in that forward line that, that is like that and he can he can use his other tricks. But I don't think you can have three of those sort of players down there who are not really threatening and, and they're not physical beasts. So I think you've got to you've got to have something a bit different down there and that just proved to not work. And I think it's not as you said, like what we maybe didn't have right, but he's also not necessarily, you know, a big crash and pack He's, he's, you know, jump up, take a mark, and he's an accurate kick, which is great. But I think the forward line looks like our biggest downfall at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see what we can do to, to turn things around there. Um, Reed, as you touched on in the first quarter, was moving well again in the second quarter. It was, he had plenty of opportunities because the ball was down there a fair bit. Caldwell was pretty quiet. Uh, McGrath, we saw do a number of dump kicks again. I think we've just got to accept that that's... Uh, life with Andy McGrath. I think you know if he was playing in a in an elite team that was a top four team, maybe he wouldn't have that pressure and he could um, he, he could get that out of his game. But I think at the Essendon Football Club, he's probably destined to be kicking around his body for the rest of his career. Yeah, and look, that obviously happens sometimes. You play in the back pocket, you're under pressure. But earlier in his career, you know, we go back to his first season, he had lots of run and dash and he would take the game on a bit more. I don't know if it's – it just seems like he doesn't like to, to run and carry as much. And maybe he's concerned about running and carrying and making an error with his disposal going forward. But I'd rather him, you know, work on that and develop that because that's what makes him a really good player because I, I think we all agree in terms of his lockdown stuff, he's excellent, right? But – I just want some more run and carry. We have we talked about Ridley, Redmond being really good kickers of the ball, but that, there's not a lot of run there. Whereas Mary, McGrath is someone who can potentially give that run, and I think that would balance out 
what we've got in our back six, back seven, really well. So, and as a vice captain, the leader, it's, I think it's really important for him to kind of do that. Do you think that that's um, the intention of putting Martin down there to to kind of help the back six with that kind of flair and that skill and? Oh, yeah, I, I can, I can. But my concern with Martin is going to be the defensive side because you've got, you've got Ridley, who's great defensively on a bloke his size or above. But we've seen in the past we've pl- he's played on Toby Green and Green's too nimble to, and he's got a hold of him. Now Green's, you know, top five player in a competition. He's done that to lots of guys. But we brought in Jake Kelly specifically to play on those type of guys. That's when McGrath was he playing in the midfield. Now McGrath's gone back. McGrath can play on. Toby Green, and he, I think he did last year, and he beat him. He did a really good job, right? So you've got Redmond, who's a real kicker. Sometimes he's not as tight defensively as he could be. So are you just adding another guy in there that's not great defensively? Heppel's not great defensively. Nick Hines not great defensively. Where's the guy that just say, boom, this is our like, defence first, then can go the other way, as opposed to the guy that goes the other way and also can defend a bit? That's my concern in the back line. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll move on. I agree. Maybe we'll move on now to half time. So at half time, out of the game went Stringer, Reed, Goldstein, and Merritt. They did some kind of cool down laps on the on the other oval, and we brought um, Nick Bryan, Lewis Hayes, um, Owen Davy, and Nick Hind into the into the side. So it was a little bit of a change, but not not huge. The third quarter. Um, in fairness, I was able to only watch the first half of the game, so uh, so I'll, I'll go by what I've what I've kind of seen in highlights and and read through the reports here. But Hind moved up forward, uh, Hayes came in, and I actually saw a, a fair amount of highlights of him spoiling the ball, and he looks to have put on a bit of size, and he looked confident in the way he was playing. So I think the Lewis Hayes um, half that he played is is maybe a shining light. He's he's still progressing quite well, which is good. Uh, Dersma showed some more. Uh, good efforts, marking the ball low, sliding in, taking those marks, and then uh, and then taking off and and trying to take the game on a little bit. He was also noted to be kind of providing a fair bit of direction on on the ground as well, which is good for a new guy coming into the club. Um, Laverde did some nice things inside fifty to to create some space for Guelphy, and then uh, Brian Nick Brian. We know he's a good tap ruckman, and he was winning a, a number of the taps, which is good because. I think our centre clearance work wasn't too bad overall. Um, Goldstein and Brian were winning a fair few taps and providing kind of first supply to the mids. Uh, we kind of fell down across the forward line, as we said there in the previous segment. Yeah, and we'll move on to the fourth quarter there. So things I mentioned again, mucked around with it when the ball got inside 50, turned it over, let it transition out the gra- up the ground. Again, forward structure was non-existent, but the more troubling thing was the fact that it – it went coast to coast like it always does. The ball just got out there. So we struggled so much to get it in there. When we got it in there, we turned it over and it went straight back out up the other end. Uh, Cox down back was playing as a defender. Like I said earlier, he's played all over the ground. He had a couple of nice moments one-on-one. We read the play, got off his man and took took a mark. Um, the only other thing I would want to mention is there was a bit of a cheap shot by Webster on Clawwall. The ball was up in the air. Cobble went to take a mark and Webster bumped him. It, it was just not necessary. The play was dead. You know, it wasn't the worst thing you'd ever seen in a football field. It was a, it was a free kick. It was a 50-metre free kick. That's it. But no one came over. 
to him. You know, Langford gave a token push and shove. You know, that's the type of thing, Mark, we've talked about a lot on this podcast about guys not flying the flag, right? They can say, oh, yeah, it's a practice match. It doesn't mean anything. It didn't mean it. But, you know, you've got to set a marker somewhere. And if you're prepared to look past those things in a, in a practice match, then you're probably going to look past them in an AFL game. And that's not the type of thing that you want. It's got to be certain non-negotiables you set. And if people do that sort of stuff, you've got to go across and fly the flag I agree. It's the old, you know, you play how you train kind of thing as well, isn't it? Like you, you kind of, you can't turn it on and off. I think you've got to have some consistency in what your standards are. Uh, so overall summary, same issues as always. Um, good at the centre bounce, poor around the ground, ball transition too easily, a real lack of forward pressure. Ball lived in the opposition half, and we were we were unable to to stop runs of goals as well and momentum and. Um, Thankfully, we came out of the game without any injuries, without any new injuries, I should say. So uh, that's a positive. There, were, there was a few positives in, I think, the recruits generally. Um, we mentioned Gresham, you know, playing against his old side. He probably went up a notch as well, but he, he looked pretty good. Goldstein, I thought, looked good uh, and, and was um, was a good addition. And Dersma as well. So good that all the recruits kind of played well and um, somewhat concerning that the people that stood out were people that have been at the club for only, you know, a couple of months. So... Um, I don't know how to look at it. I think we need, I think we need another game to go by, uh, which we'll get the opportunity, obviously, this Friday. But um, that kind of wraps wraps up that practice game uh, to be put in the vault and probably not watched again. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, not one for the name again. So I guess um, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and do a bit of a player review. Brendan, we'll go through the list here and just do a bit of a player review, spend a short amount of time on each one and um, I guess just talk about overall maybe how they went in the game last Friday against St Kilda and, and, or more generally, I guess, maybe what we've seen in the preseason as well and what we've been hearing. So uh, we'll go in order of numbers. So starting with number one, Andy McGrath. Um, we kind of touched on him already and said that, you know, it was kind of a pretty similar game to what we expect from him. Um, I think he's... His leadership is more noticeable over the last couple of years, which is good now that he's, you know, vice-captain. So um, that's that's a good thing. Otherwise, as you said, I think it's going to come down to how he performs in that back line, in that kind of small defender role, which I think is a really good role. And I think he's excellent at it. I think that's largely going to depend on how he's supported um, through the midfield and with the back line. You know, a lot, a lot of supply coming in will mean he's under pressure and people will, people like me will get on his back about kicking around the corner. But, you know, if he all of a sudden finds himself in a better performing team, I think that that'll elevate, you know, his performance or perceived performance. Yeah, the next one was uh, Darcy Parrish. Kind of touched on him a bit as well. Looked stronger in the body, uh, won a lot of the ball, um, did it with ease, was clean. Was you know probably top three players if you if you were to give votes he'd probably fall in at four quarter performance, just what you want to see from him. I think you know if we have a good year, I think he's a real Brownlow chance. You know obviously we saw when he had his breakout year, he was all Australian. I think he was top five in the Brownlow there. I think he has the potential to to back that up there, um, especially if we're going well. I think the service from Goldstein probably early in the year might 
set him up. And I can really see him being the linchpin in the middle and us maybe looking to play Merritt in a few different roles where I think Darcy's, you know, is, is in the guts or he's on the bench. That's where he's going to be. Next one is Kyle Langford. Um, Kyle's just elevated himself to a new level over the last couple of years and he looked, he, he looked straight back into it as to what he was playing last year. Strong in the hands, really clean kick, smart player, knows where to go. Um, looks to have to become a bit of a leader as well on the ground, which is good. So more of the same for Kyle Langford. And if he can have another great year like he had last year, kicking 50-plus goals, that would be awesome. And I think he's he's arguably one of the most important players in our team now. He'd definitely be sort of in that top top three to five range, I would have thought. Next one is number five, Elijah Sardis. Uh, it was good to see Elijah get out there. He's noticeably bigger. Obviously, second year play, have that that full preseason. You put some size on there. Uh, looks to looking like he's running and covering the ground well, so that knee injury hasn't impeded him a little bit. Uh, where where's his best spot? I think ultimately he'll be coming inside mid. He bursts from the stoppage, but at the moment he's probably going to be on a wing, coming off the bench, part of the rotation. One thing in his game he does have to fix up a little bit is his kicking, especially when he's at full pace. It is a little bit, um, you know, not as controlled as you would like. Sometimes it'll be fine. Other times you're just going to get one that's going to go out in the fall or it's going to go sideways or stuff like that. But I think that is something that can be worked on. You know, Travis Collier was a former resident player who, you know, at top speed just couldn't quite control it. But they, they worked on it and it was like take that extra half a step before you kick it. And that seemed to fix that up. So it's just going to be a development thing for Elijah as he goes through on throughout his career. Next one is number six, Jai Caldwell. As we said, he was a little bit quiet. Um, not too concerned because we know that Jai puts in the work and uh, and he's going to be there. So I think this year is just going to be about, you know, playing those 15-plus games um, for Jai again and cementing himself, you know, keeping himself in that best 22 and in that starting, you know, centre kind of kind of rotation. So, um, yeah, quiet game, but not too concerned about Caldwell. Yeah, Merritt, the captain, played the first half. It was one of those ones where you've got a roll goal superstar. He's not out there to, <laughs> to show his best. He's just got to get the work into his legs. I think the plan was always for him just to play a half, and I think he might have had a little tweak of an ankle in that time. So that kind of even limited. He's like, okay, let's it's done. Let's call it. I'm not going to try and push myself past it. Um, we talk about worrying. He, he, he could have done nothing and uh, would have been happy just to see him get through unscathed. Speaking of doing nothing, number 10, Sam Wiedemann. No, I shouldn't say that. That's that's pretty harsh. But I think Sam's got a bit to go to, to elevate himself to that level. He just looked a bit rusty, I think. We know that he's got more in him than what he showed last Friday. So I think, um, you know, there's definitely a role there for him up forward and rotating through the ruck a little bit as well, particularly in that forward half. So uh, really encouraged to see Sam give it a good crack this year. He played a lot of games at the start of last year. And I think... I think the coaches and the selectors maybe did him a little bit of of a disservice by leaving him in the side when there was kind of a lot of noise for him to to go back to the VFL. And I think that went on a little bit too long and was probably detrimental to his own confidence. So I hope to see Wiedemann's confidence up and and going because he did have some really good flashes last year of a confident player. He's definitely got the ability. He's got the size. Just needs to string the, the trio together. So, um, yeah, a bit, bit quiet on the weekend, but he's got another opportunity this week. 
Yeah. So next one is number 11, Jay Gresham. I thought he's probably our best player. You know, it really stood out as a clean player, one touch. As you mentioned, Mark, playing against his old side. So he's probably playing at a pretty high level, wanted to, to show his wares. Had a couple of opportunities to kick a goal. And I think um, just, you know, the wind or, you know, miss kick or whatever. But he's really, really keen to impress. Um, I really like the role that he's playing. He's probably take, he's taken over the number 11 from Will Snelling. He's probably going to play a similar role that, that Will did. Um, I think I like him out of that half forward. He pushes up into the ground and comes back in. But I also really want him close to goal, probably because we don't have a lot of other options close to goal. Right? We talked about Guelphie playing closer to goal, and that's that's good. But Guelph isn't a crummer, like a pure crummer. Like, whereas Gresham can play that role. He's got the pace, he's got the nous, and he's got the skills to do that. But it might be a waste just having him chained to the goal square. So what the coach group does in terms of him rotating, what position he plays in the forward line. Does he go in the midfield? I would rather him just because of what we need to stay inside 50 and um, be dangerous at the feet of Wright and Langford. Next up is number 12, Will Setterfield. A bit of an unsung hero. You can easily watch a game and think that he hasn't really done a lot if you're not watching him closely. So I liked what I saw from Setterfield uh, around the ground. He's, he's that big body we need in the midfield, and I think we missed him a lot last year when he got injured. So looking forward to seeing him go around again uh, in another practice game this week and then seeing him uh, start in round one and, and people sort of recognising uh, what he does that, that maybe isn't as visible on TV. Number 13, Nick Cox, kind of like Wiedemann, didn't do much, but has, you know, a difference in that he's still got to get his body right, I think. I still still looks like he's not firing on full cylinders, especially when you compare him to what he was in his first year. He got played everywhere. He played forward, played on a wing at times, he played down back. I think we need to settle him in the spot, right? I think that spot is not the wing, <laughs> right? And I think... Down back is probably his best spot there. That's where, on the glimpses that we saw on the weekend, most comfortable and did the things that stood out. We've talked about this on the podcast before, Mark. I think halfback kind of being like Nick Blakely at the Swans, that oversized flanker who can intercept, then burst off, use his long kicking either foot inside 50. I think that's potentially his best position. But how is Practically, how is that going to be? If you're pushing Martin in there, you've got Redmond, you know, Laverde, Kelly, right? I don't know. That's where he'll play. But it'll be interesting to see in the first half of the year in the VFL because I think that's where he'll be. He'll be at VFL level at the start of this year. What position they have for him and if they develop him in that spot. Definitely. Next one is number 15, Jaden Laverde. Uh, as you said, played up the ground a little bit further, um, laid a lot of tackles and just... Gave it his all. You wouldn't know it was match simulation or a practice game from Laverde. He was, you know, tackling people over the boundary line, pushing people right over to the edge. Like, it just if you could have his desire, motivation and heart in someone like you just mentioned in Nick Cox, you'd have the ultimate player. Laverde's obviously been been um, struck some pretty big blows with his body over the years, which has hampered him. Um, and he's probably a little bit shorter than what, what most of those uh, other defenders and stuff are in the forwards that he plays on. So it was another... Laverty performance, a lot of heart, a lot of effort, no no issues with uh, how he went about it on Friday. Uh, number 16, Archie Perkins. He played, played in the midfield. It was kind of like second rotation there. 
and then went rested forward. It's kind of hard to judge the guys who played forward because the ball just didn't get down there so much. Um, I'd like to see more in the guts full-time. I think, as I mentioned with aggression, we need a bit more pace and class and nous in front of goal. And if you're going to play Langford, you know, you're going to play Wright, Stringer, potentially Jones, can you afford to have... Perkins playing as a permanent forward as well. You kind of need to find a different role for him. I think, you know, he, he can be a very good forward. He can be a very good midfielder. But uh, we often talk about if a guy was to potentially be all Australian, I could see that happening for him more as a midfielder than what it would be as, as a half forward there. Uh, not to say he wouldn't be a good half forward, but I think that's really where he'd be. He's in his fourth year now. He's played over 50 games. So I think it's start time that he can kind of player that we all hope for him to be. Number 17, Todd Goldstein, first game for the club. I uh, thought he was pretty good uh, in the tap work and everything. Maybe Marshall got hold of him a little bit around the ground, but, um, but that's probably to be expected with a veteran ruckman. And that's where someone that we mentioned earlier, like Sam Wiedemann, should maybe see an opportunity when he's pinch hitting in the ruck. That that's, that that's a real area that he can help the team and, and, um, and you know, show that he's got a role there that, that he's really important in. So, yeah, no issues with what Goldstein did. I think he's going to be a great mentor for someone like Nick Bryan and um, and also Sammy Draper. Lewis Hayes, number 18, as you mentioned, played the second half. Really liked the look of him there. You know, he just kind of stands out with the with the big lean frame and the red hair there. But a um, couple of nice spoils, right? Didn't find a lot of the ball, but got himself into into the right positions there. I think it'll be another year at VFL for him just to get some more size, develop playing against men, especially as a big key back there. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes, especially with Kane Baldwin going down there. He's kind of stepped up one number in the queue there. But but long-term with Mackay and Reid and Ridley and Laverde, I'm not sure if we'll see him at AFL level this year, but... It's always good to have a young, developing key defender. And, you know, we talked about BZT, how many years that he took to come on, and that was in and out, in and out. If we can just lock him down in the spot, back him in, you're the number one at VFL level, you're you're the guy, give him that responsibility, I think we'll see him flourish. Number 19, Nick Hind, as you said, came on the second half, played a little bit forward, um, given a few different roles. It was his usual pacey, quick self. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use Nick Hind. Uh, maybe there is an opportunity there to use him as a bit of a spark up forward. He's been known to jump in and do that role. I know when he played for St Kilda, they tried him permanently in that role and I don't think that worked too well, but maybe he could be a little bit of a swing man that you know, can play down back and give you some run, but then can also jump forward when, when you're kind of lacking a little bit of spark. So interesting to see uh, how Nick Hind gets used this year. Yeah. Number 21, Dyson Heppel. Dyson... Looked pretty fit, covered the ground well. It looked a bit skinny. I think as as you um as players get older, they look to, to drop a little bit of weight so they can cover the ground a bit better. And that certainly was a bit noticeable with him. We mentioned before how like Parrish looked like he put on a couple of kilos and was like stronger through the trunk, whereas um, Heppel definitely looked like he was a bit leaner there. Interesting to see the position he has. If he could play like he did last year, I think was, this time last year we were all talking about oh, this Heppel's last year. You know, how are we going to get him through? But he played really well last year and he deserved his spot. So if he can keep playing at that level, which I have no doubt he's capable of doing, I think he'll be picked every week. 
Next up was number 22, Sam Durham. Obviously played in a new role, playing uh, rotating through the midfield. So I think all things considered, it wasn't a bad first hit out for him. Obviously a bit of work to do adapting to that role and playing with a new group of players, but huge opportunity for him. So he's definitely put in the work over the preseason. You can tell that, um, you know, he's been a right up there in the time trials. He's come back looking really fit. He's been very vocal. So interesting to see uh, Sam Durham try and take on that opportunity. So number 23, Harrison Jones, kind of like Cox coming back from injury. So it's just about getting the, the miles into his legs, I think. Obviously played up forward there. Uh, looked better early on in the game. I think when we had Goldstein in the side, that kind of we did have a bit more control in the midfield and the ball got forward there. But as the game wore on, we kind of lost real structure up forward and he wasn't really there. Flew for a couple of marks, but was just didn't judge it well. I think the wind also saw the ball drop short a couple of times there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where he'll be come round one. Uh, would love a bit more physicality and presence from him, but I'm not sure if that's the go. Maybe alongside Peter Wright, he'll look a bit better when you've got a big dominant guy they can kick to there, but I don't think he'll ever become the key position player we thought he might be when he was recruited in. I think he's going to be a, a third tall that can get up the ground market and kick it inside 50, but he has to find the ball a lot more than what he does and right, run to the right spots for that to be an option. Number 24, Nick Bryan came on in the second half, as you mentioned earlier. Um, pretty good with his tap work. Obviously, a big year for Nick ahead. Kind of would be probably no doubt disappointed if he plays predominantly VFL this year and watches you know, a nearly 40-year-old Ruckman come in uh, from another club and, and kind of take his opportunity. So I think it's um, it's kind of on... It's kind of on Nick now to to elevate himself to that level, which I think he started doing last year, which is good. And, and um, I'm confident that he can do it. I'm really keen to see a Nick Bryan and Sam Draper combo, which we've spoken about many times before on the pod. The next one, number 25, Jake Stringer. Stringer's kind of like Merritt. You don't need him performing in February. He's just about getting getting the miles until his legs. And he played that first half, covered the ground okay. Nothing explosive, nothing, you know, if you said that he didn't do anything, I'd, I'd agree with you, you know, but it was just about him getting some some body contact and getting it in there. And it'll be interesting to see if he ups his minutes this week. Was a little bit of in the midfield, you know, burst forward, but I think probably predominantly forward will be his go this year. Mason Redman is next. Was hard to recognise on the ground with his new haircut. Did a good job for, for charity and, uh, and cut his hair. So... Um, Mason was more of the same, a lot of intercepting, uh, went forward, kicked a big goal early in, early in the game from 50. Um, I'm sure that a lot more opposition uh, players will, and coaches will be on to that this year, but uh, managed to get one through straight away in the first quarter this year. So, um, yeah, not too stressed about Redmond. I think uh, we'll see his usual self come season proper. Another one who, as you said, is just about getting, uh, getting some run into the legs. So number 28, Xavier Dersma. Uh, probably say he was our, our second best player on the day. Uh, as you said, Mark, the voice that he gave, which is really good from a, a guy, first year at the club, you know, barking directions at more senior players, a guy that have been there. They're out of position. You've got to move across. Really good to see his kind of understanding of the game plan there. Uh, again, kind of like Gresham, 
trying to, I think, impress in new colours there. So it went, went harder than others did. Uh, really worked hard to kind of win, make up ground to take marks or get some others in to kind of cover up others' mistakes. So if we can continue that throughout the year, uh, I think we definitely got a long-term player on our hands. Next up is Zach Reed, as we mentioned. Um, got to see Zach Reed kind of in a proper hit out for the first time in a long time, and he looked good. He looks like he's put on some size, probably grown a little bit taller than what we even remember, and um, and looked the part. Was was comfortable intercepting, spoiling, um, really good skills for for a big tall man as well. So hopefully we can see Zach Reed shrink together a full season because I think that's going to be really important for not only him but for us going forward. Ben Mackay, number 32. I mentioned the 32 because it, it looks really odd on him. It doesn't kind of look like right. You know, like our affair was, I think it was Justin Blumfield there and previous that was someone like a, a Timmy Watson. It does look odd being on the big, tall frame there. So, um, yeah, played the full four quarters, played on Ben King, King kick four of the goals. One of the goals was like a lucky outside 50. He got on the wind of it. A couple others that just broke down in front of him. There's only one where he kind of got up outbodied. That was probably the first one. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, geez, that doesn't look good. <laughs> but it was a practice match. I've given him <laughs> the mulligan there. It certainly looked better when we had uh, Reed partnering with him there. But then it's also, I guess, the side was going a little bit better at that stage. By the time Reed had exited the game, it was kind of, was punishing with Lewis Hayes. Hayes kind of wasn't doing as much as what Reed does, and then the ball was living in that area. So, um, yeah, onwards and upwards for for Ben McKay. He'll benefit as well when Ridley comes back into the side. I think uh, Elwin Davies next number thirty three. Uh, to be honest, in the part of the game that I watched, I didn't really get to see Elwin because he came on in the second half. But uh, from all accounts, was fairly quiet. Um, Seems to have had a pretty good pre-season, though. Uh, him and his brother, Jaden, seem to be up and about and pretty fit. So, um, Davey kind of burst onto the scene last year. was pretty good. And then, I think, just ran out of legs and probably dropped a bit of confidence as well after going in and out of the side. So, looking forward to Alan performing well and consistently, whether that be at AFL or VFL level this year. I'm not not too concerned if he's you know, not playing 10-plus games in the AFL because I think there's other people that should be pushing him out of those spots at the moment. But, um, yeah, keen to see him get, I guess, games under the belt and uh, and consistent performances regardless of what team he's playing in uh, AFL or VFL this year. Uh, Mac Welfi, like I said, played deep in the pocket. Kind of interesting to see how that, how that goes. Um, wasn't really a game with a lot of pressure because the ball wasn't in there, but... Took a couple of nice marks. The ball, when the, he was the last man in the chain in the goal square, the ball got over the top. He managed to, to outbody and take a mark. Um, and to see what we have going forward for, for Guelph. I like him. I think he, if he can play uh, that role, same role when he was third in the BNF with the pressure, that'll really stand out for us there. But as we were talking earlier with Gresham, I think we need to start to balance actually having guys who have got pace and class as opposed to guys who just compete. So and just see how he goes. We're, uh, we're almost desperate to get Nate Caddy into the side, a player <laughs> who hasn't, hasn't debuted and uh, we didn't have on the list a couple of months ago. Uh, Nick Martin, uh, as we said, played halfback, looked pretty pretty solid down there. I think you know there was times where he wasn't his squeaky clean self, but I think that's to be expected with the amount of pressure that the back line was under. So uh, all in all, 
he's going to be able to play halfback comfortably and do it well. Um, as we said, probably we, we would prefer to see him on a wing, but let's see how it goes. Um, Nick's the sort of player who puts in the effort, does all the work in the off-season and everything and, and goes hard. So I'm sure that we'll see him succeed down a halfback as well. And the final player, number 47, Jai Menzi, uh, small forward, hard day to play <laughs> as a forward, didn't do much. Um, the buzz this time last year was certainly around him. He's had a great pre-season, he's looking great, and he had a good year. I think he played 20, 21 games and kicked more than a goal a game. So he'd want to maybe have that as a, as a par mark and try to improve that as you go along if you're going to play, you know, as a permanent small forward. But, yeah. I don't think uh, Friday was the game to be marking him on. All right, let's take our last break and then just come back with a bit of club news, injury updates, um, and just close out discussion. All right, to round out this episode, Brendan, maybe let's start with a bit of injury news. So the club's provided some updates on the injuries. Unfortunately, our injury list is pretty long for this time of year, which is uh, which is not ideal, but nothing in there that's like kind of too long-term. So hopefully it at least stays that way and we get people back rather than people going out the other way. So Benny Hobbs with a shoulder complaint should be fine for round one. I don't think he'll play this Friday. So whether he's actually in, in round one or at VFL level or something like that, not sure, but it sounds like he's not too far away, which... Um, is important because I think Ben Hobbs is kind of the sort of person who could have a breakout year. Yeah, next one is Jake Kelly with a hammy. Uh, it's kind of like in the Hobbs thing. He, he could push for round one, but I think it's probably going to be more two or three there. It's the, you know, it depends. If it, if it was a final, yeah, they'd probably play, you know, but why take the risk early on, especially with a the hamstring there? Uh, and especially with Kelly potentially playing on a wing this year, you don't want to start off a year carrying a hammy on the wing. So that's not great. Uh, next one up is uh, Nate Caddy. Had, had a, some soreness from reports. He had a fall during training. I think they'd be going up for a mark and just landed awkwardly. Uh, didn't play on the weekend. Uh, not sure what his current status is. Could play this week. Maybe they'll just be conservative. First-year players probably had a bit of a shock to the system, all the training's doing, give him a couple of weeks off and get him, get him right for, for round one or at least in the VFL. If you sort of said a player, you know, got injured from having a fall, you'd think it was like a, a Todd Goldstein or someone like that that's at the, at the later end of their career. But, um, yeah, unusual description. Sam Draper with the with the groin, um, the, the hip that turned into a groin last year. Uh, surprise, surprise. So he's back running and, uh, again, like from all reports, you know, could push a bit earlier, but they've obviously got to be pretty conservative with this. So they're talking about, you know, whether he's ready for round one, two or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see Sam Draper until, you know, round five to eight and them take a real conservative approach, um, given that we've got Goldstein and, and uh, Nick Bryan there as well. Um, Dylan Shield with his foot, this has been lingering for some time. He's back running. Likewise, I think they're probably going to take a pretty conservative approach with Dylan. Kane Baldwin, unfortunately, is in a moon booting on crutches with a navicular injury to his foot. That's a medium-term injury that would indicate that, you know, three months, 12 weeks kind of thing plus. So, unfortunate for Kane, it's a, it's a contract year for him. He had a really big preseason. He was looking really good. And um, I think we're all really excited to see 
where he could slot himself into the side and he would have been the sort of guy who would play like a Jaden Laverty and have a real big crack. So um, unfortunate for Kane, but hopefully we see him recover from that and uh, get back out there at some capacity this year. Yeah, then the final two players, the Tex Wanganeen coming back from a navicular. He has a history of a navicular. I think it plagued him in his junior football as well there. Uh, it's back running. Uh, I think he's just back running there too. So I think he's still a fair way away. And then Jaden Hunter, I, I think everyone knows, unfortunately did the ACL uh, a couple of weeks ago now. It's done for the year. That's his second ACL injury on the back of a back stress fracture. So he's had a... Uh, had a really rough run there, Jaden. So uh, hopefully um, he can get that right come the end of the year and there's potentially a spot to have him on the list going forward. The one that's not mentioned on that list is Jordan Ridley, who didn't play and hasn't really been seen in all of the match sim stuff at training too much. Um, the club's been pretty quiet on that. And I think there's some talk that he's got, I, I don't know what sort of injury it is, a back or a calf or so, something or other that's, that's causing him some discomfort. So um, interesting one because Jordan Ridley's had very minimal injuries in his career, thankfully, so far. And for them to not play him is obviously pretty conservative, which is good. But I just hope there's not more to that than what the club's letting on. The club today announced that Ridley and Wright will be fit to play against the Cats this week. Now, just because they're fit to play doesn't mean they're fit, and nor does it mean they'll play. But uh, at least, um, at least there's potential that he's going to be right for round one there. But it's one of the, for both those guys. Bit sneaky what the actual injury is that they've had um, has been mentioned. Because same with Peter Wright too. Uh, he, I don't think he's done a heap of uh, match sim stuff, and you often see him training on that uh, that Eddie had oval there, which is kind of like the rehab oval. The guys kind of go over there while main session gets done on the MCG sized oval there. So um, yeah, hopefully for the, those guys are uh, fit this year. Obviously he had the concussions last year there with the, the Willie Rioli thing and that really um, hurt hurt his year and obviously had the injury in the back half of the year. So hopefully um, nothing long-term or anything that's lingering around from those incidents. Yep. On to uh, some more positive news and some re-signing. Elijah Sardis, two-year contract extension till the end of 2026. So that's good to see a young player uh, commit to the club. Kyle Lankford, this is a bit of a surprise. He was already contracted until 2026, but he extended by another year until 2027. I think Lankford's you know, a red and black man now and uh, and pretty happy with where he is. So good to see him extend another year. It's going to be interesting to watch someone like an Archie Perkins who will be out of contract uh, this year. He's indicated his desire to stay at the club. Uh, so it sounds like that will just be something that gets worked through. Um, there's a number of players as well that will be out of contract. Uh, Stringer, everyone's talking about Stringer, going to have a big year because it's the contract year for him. Um, and then Andy McGrath as well is out of contract and will become a free agent this year as well. So there's some big names coming up that will be out of contract and um, hopefully we're able to, to retain those players. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Merritt McGrath, captain, vice-captain. Interesting to see. I think last year Ridley, Ridley was named deputy vice-captain. They haven't gone with that there, so maybe that's something they just haven't publicised or there's been a change either or. I think we're at a stage where we've got limited opportunities and it's going to be those two as captain, vice-captain. It's pretty obvious. And then someone maybe like a, a Ridley or a Langford or a Laverty would be kind of what I assume the unofficial leadership group probably is, but yeah, 
interesting to see. Now, Mark, we play the Cats on Friday at 5.10pm down at Cadinia Park. What do you want to see? And in particular, who do you want to see? Uh, I'd, I'd like to see a closer margin, regardless of whether we're on the winning side or the losing side. I think, I think I'd like to see you know, us compete in the game. So that's number one. And then I guess for who I'd like to see, obviously I'd like to see like an eight caddy or someone like that, but that's not going to be possible. So um, maybe I'd like to see, you know, Nick Bryan only got a half. And that's something that was a bit of a bugbear last year was that he was playing games, but he was only playing like 30% game time um, before being subbed out. So I'd like to see Nick Bryan given a full opportunity. And I'd also like to see, the other Nick, Nick Cox, settled somewhere and given four quarters in a row. If that's centre-half back, if it's going to be centre-half forward or if it's going to be back on the wing, he kind of played all those roles on the weekend. And I think, you know, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there is not enough to really settle in somewhere and do something, especially for someone who's lacking confidence already. So, um, yeah, the two Nicks, Nick, Nick Bryan and Nick Cox, get, you know, four-quarter uh, roles given to them and let's see what they got. What about you? I'd like to see four four quarters out of Zach Reed. I really want to see him kind of get thing of inching to see with with Cameron and Hawkins how Reed and Mackay go there. Uh, you probably think the natural matchup would be Reed on Cameron. So if Cameron gets him up the ground, see how he goes there. I just want to see him see him run really to see how his body moves, stuff like that. I think the the overhead stuff is fine. It's just going to be more his mobility for his size and what he can offer with his kicking. And then the other one is probably Jai Caldwell. I want to see him get – and Will Setterfield. I want to see them get full four quarters in the guts. It's going to be interesting, our, our midfield setup, how we go. I think the start of last year we had Setterfield was the main defensive stopper in the midfield with Parrish and then Merritt as the three rotation. And then we had Caldwell and Shield playing on the half-forward flanks and rotated in. And that looked all right, but – for mine, Jai Caldwell is a midfielder. He's not a flanker. It's kind of like we talked earlier about Perkins. He's a midfielder, not a flanker. Hobbs is probably a midfielder, not a flanker, but they all can't play in the midfield. So uh, developing the skills to play different roles there, but I think Caldwell stands out like Setterfield does because he can do a defensive job and can win his own ball, which some of our other guys can't do. So I'd really like to see him get some more time as a permanent midfielder. And question without notice. Obviously, there's been a lot of a lot of noise and a lot of talk, and probably supporters disappointed with the performance that that got put up last Friday against the Saints. But are you, as an Essendon supporter, are you uh, worried about that performance, or are you just putting it down to match simulation, blowing the cobwebs out, a bit of a windy day, didn't didn't pull it all together, and uh, you know it'll be there'll be still things to look forward to this year. Yeah, I'm probably more in the side that it's it's match simulation. Let's not worry about it too much, considering that Brad Scott, I don't even think, was at the game. I think Gene Syracuse coached the side. Like, so it's obviously they were trying some different things there. But 11-goal, like you said, you don't don't simulate 11-goal losses at all. Let's hope you're not doing that. But... um. If we were a good side who consistently performed well and made finals and did whatever, I don't think you'd have an issue about it. The scary bit is because of where we've been, right? It's like, oh my God, is this this deja vu for the 
for the fifteenth time. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we, I just like a year where we started off strongly. You know, we, I think Matty Lloyd once in frustration mentioned it well that we always have good second halves to the year because we we're poor in the first half, and then the pressure's off. Right, we're not going to make finals, and then when the pressure's off, we play well, and then we always we scrape and we oh we're in that last couple of weeks. Oh, we finished eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth. We don't quite make it. Right, well, let's. Let's start afresh. Let's start. Let's come out of the blocks firing and, you know, perform well. I, 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 the thing in previous years has always been, oh, there's no expectation. They're young. You know, we're not it's just about development. Development's not linear or whatever the buzzwords that they come out with, right, which just is a signalling that we think we're going to be poor this year, right. I would like some ambition to say, no, nah, we're going to play finals. That's it. Put the internal pressure on. Don't put the... Don't complain about the, oh, the the fans are putting pressure on and we can't live up to the pressure. But if you can't live up to the pressure of a side wanting to play finals, well, then how are you ever going to win a final? Like North Melbourne and West Coast fans are wanting to play finals this year. And I think all reasonable footballers fans will say they've got absolutely no chance of playing finals, right? It's internally the pressure that you've got to put on yourself. And when you're soft signalling through your messaging to the supporter base that, you don't think you're going to do well. I think that kind of gets into your mentality and it corrodes from the inside. I think that's a really good point in that, the, you know, as you said, the comments about progress not being linear and development years and learnings and all that sort of stuff we've heard over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, I think that's a really good point that we need to, we need to stop hearing that. And we heard... You know, Damien Hardwick came out, you know, has obviously gone to, to Gold Coast and he said, I'm not going to put a ceiling on it, but I'm going to put a floor and the floor is that we must make finals. We must play finals. Like they haven't played finals ever before and that's that's his benchmark. And he went publicly in the media and said that and all the players obviously would have heard that and no doubt they've talked about it already. So that shouldn't be a surprise to them. But we haven't heard anything like that uh, out of Essendon. So hopefully that stuff's being discussed behind the scenes that, you know, we are in a position with the list we've gotten, the, the age profile and some of the talent that's around and all that sort of thing, we should be aiming to play finals and we should be aiming to win a final um, as a minimum, I think, this year. Um, yeah. whether, we'll get, whether we'll get there will be interesting to see, but um, that should be... It should be the benchmark all years, but especially now given the history of where we're at and that we've become a bit of a laughing stock of the league, we need to, we need to fix that up. I agree wholeheartedly. All right, well, that probably does us for this episode. Um, play the Cats. Maybe we'll come back and do the same next week and then uh, get ready for round one. So with that, go the Dons. Go Bombers.